ideas don't really matter. What matters is the team, right? And how quickly you can move. If you if you have a team that that that, that the investors believe is capable of of building something like that, it doesn't matter what ideas they come up with. And actually, in, in fact, what they say is most most teams pivot, so they change their ideas after after they launch. And after they talk to the customers, they actually re- understand the reality of the industry or the reality of their customers. I think what they're looking for is, is people who can, who can basically move fast. And if, you, if, you, if you're already generating traction in the first weeks, then, then it's a good indicator that you keep, keep generating traction. What is up, everyone? And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast, your go-to for all things construction and property technology. On today's episode, we have Vlad Opanashuk, founder and CEO of Red Consultancy, a design automation and software integration consultancy for the AEC industry. In this episode, we discuss automation and productization in construction, how open source can help construction innovation and how traditional construction businesses can incorporate technology into existing workflows. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe. This helps us get the most amazing guests to give you guys the most informative content on technology in the built world. And shout out to our sponsor, Beta. If you want to connect with some of the greatest minds in construction tech, including investors, advisors, tier one building contractors, and other innovators, please check them out by going to www.the-beta.com. You are listening to Bricks and Bytes Podcast, where we take you on a journey in construction, technology, and business. All right, let's get this episode started. So tell us about design automation. First off, what is it? So I think uh, it's important to, first of all, clear out some, some of the meanings of the words because if you say automation to somebody else like they they imagine completely different things like you tell one person they imagine one thing they tell the other person they imagine another thing probably when you hear automation you're thinking sort of robot factories all singing dancing fancy but i think automation can apply to automating any process i think it's important to make a distinction that construction isn't automotive industry i think when people (laughs) talk about uh, automation in construction, they try and draw parallels between other industries. Oh, look, the aerospace industry is doing that. Why can't we do it? The automotive industry is doing this. Why can't we do it? And I think even in university, was when I was in uni, like we had the aerospace and mechanical guys in our department and they were like laughing, oh, civil engineers, sort of the the, the, the problem, the masses is, 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 is simpler. Like, why is it, why is it so behind? And I think <laughs> the, like, Construction is different. First of all, it's huge scale. Like the scale difference is 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 uh, huge. And second of all, we're not mass producing buildings in a conventional sense, not yet. I think what we are doing is kind of, as somebody coined, not sure who the originator of the phrase is, mass customization. And actually, construction industry is so amazing. Like if you think about it, we are optimizing. So a client comes to us. Like if you're going to buy a car, you're probably going to buy a car that's already been pre-engineered and it's it's all been designed and and it's it's it, they offer you a package of of features. When you're building a building, most of the time you can com- you start completely from scratch. So there's there's no I guess no other big industry like that where you can come in and request really anything. The client comes in and says, well, I want a building on this plot of land. It has to optimize for the site conditions, for the insurance conditions, for the local regulation conditions, for the client requirements. What we are doing really as an industry is amazing. It's we're making custom products for every client. This is, I don't feel like there's any industry that does the same at the prices that we're doing it, right? Like customization, you most other industries, jewelry, like cars, um, aircraft, it's, it's mass produced. It's, 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 if you want to get a custom product that goes top end straight away, you go to the top end of the market. In buildings, we every client, even the smallest clients, you're doing loft conversion extensions. It's a very personal thing, and we always cater for the client's requirements. So when I talk automation, I'm not really talking about 
sort of big factories yet. I think we'll get there eventually, but not yet. I think the hmm. two things that we can automate, we can't really repeat buildings, not yet, but we can repeat the design process behind the building, uh, the thinking process, and the sort of parts of it, the, the, the products. And you will see, you see increasingly that we, we see the emergence of building products like balcony system, facade systems, balustrade systems. So a lot of the building parts are becoming productized. So this mm -hmm. is when I talk automation, I think um, I try and automate the design process. So repeat the, the same thinking process or automate the production of parts of like creating productizing parts of building. What you're trying to do is to achieve what other industries uh, have uh, already achieved, basically, because we are so in early stages that everyone is doing their own thing. There's no clear like automation technique because uh, the industry is super early yet, I think. And so that the industry needs more people like you to, who are trying to automate the process and make it a uniform uh, for someone else to adopt it and to design out of it and, and build out of it, I think. Yeah. And um, Brad, what, is, what do you like, uh, how do you think the industry is about automation? Because before I started speaking to you, I don't really know any, like, honestly, I, I think you could be the first, at least in like the UK or where we are and the, the people we're connected with that um, does this kind of stuff. So do you think that people are just uneducated or do you reckon they just don't want to take the risk on doing these things? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't really think I'm. I'm. I'm the first. Um, I think. I think there's there's a lot a lot of progress in that respect. Like it's just people don't call that automation, right? Any modular construction sort of initiative, you could say it's automation, right? Like you you mm -hmm. have. You, and we've been doing it for long, actually. Like the I started actually opening up the the modular construction um, industry to, I haven't really read much about it before, but in a couple of months uh, prior to this podcast, I started looking into it and I'm realizing actually we have been moving towards this slowly, slowly but surely. Uh, where I come from, I'm from, from bridges. If you look at, for example, a suspension bridge, it's, it's constructed with modules that are lifted on a cable. Like, and that we've been doing this since post-war times, probably like sort of, 60s 70s maybe the historians will correct me but we've been doing that already like we've been assembling parts and actually delivering them and installing them and the building industry is also doing that right so there we see emergence of modular volumetric modular but also uh of construction products so like i think when people speak modular they think about uh big big volumes of of blocks of buildings coming onto site, not necessarily like even if you buy a, a pre-engineered, uh, pre-engineered uh, balcony system or pre-engineered facade system, that you could say that's also modular and automation because you're going instead of fabricating that thing from scratch on site, you're actually going to to, to a supplier who who delivers it for you, and I think um, there's even, there's even more of that. There's the vertical factories that are kind of climbing up on on the cores and um, producing building as you are the things that are done sort of bigger offsite facilities like companies like Langaruka doing they they, they have massive precasting facilities and they assemble wall, uh, wall modules and ceiling modules and, and bits of building and put them together so I think in terms of physical um, automation, there's a lot of a lot of work. I think in terms of my focus mainly lies in in digital automation and uh, automating the design processes and and how we design and engineer buildings. And even then, I think it doesn't come from from zero, right? There's there's the concept of parametric modeling and computational design has existed for decades already. Um, just sort of trying to pick it up from um, from the individual corporate sort of environments and putting it out into the, the wild as a business. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one, one thing we could discuss is, is the difference between how innovation is treated uh, between sort of R&D projects in the company and innovation, how it's done in startup. And I've done a little bit of both, so I can kind of share, share that side of um, the story. Yeah, mm. let's come back to that. 
I think we should move on to the uh, technology incubator and launchpad. So the idea of uh, a construction techie kind of subject. You obviously were involved with um, one recently, and you had some you had some like good insight from your experience there. So um, do you want to share that with us? Yeah. So uh, recently, I took part in a startup accelerator called EF. They're very early stage startup accelerators. So you might think of startup accelerator as somebody who invests into a team and idea, but EF goes even earlier. So they even call themselves more like talent accelerator. They select people either from industry, so people like me who represents construction industry and from tech. So people who've studied uh, very techy master's degrees, done PhDs or work for big tech companies. So they put them in the same room uh, and say, hey, ideate and create a business. Uh, that was that was a very interesting experience uh, because uh, as an as an engineer, why did you decide to participate? Um, I think the reason I decided to participate is because it, it's it's very fast paced. It it is like it's like a launch pad for you to to launch a scalable sort of globally important business. It's the speed. Mm -hmm and the, the sort of resources they give you that really attracted me. Because as an engineer, I've been working for a while and I've been automating and trying to improve the way I work personally. And I felt mm -hmm. like a lot of these ideas can be taken out and applied to more people to, to distribute it widely. Mm -hmm. I felt like as an employee, I think innovation is encouraged in a lot of the organizations. I've been lucky to work for organizations that encourage innovation. But the speed at which they implement innovation is extremely slow. Yeah. If you go to 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 start an incubator, they push you to do this process a lot faster. Like it, the the this, we're not talking months and months for research development just to get like approval to do something. You're talking come up with an idea in one day, two days. <laughs> And start calling customers like now, like you should be calling customers now, mm -hmm. asking them questions, uh, and and just moving. And then you ask the customers, okay, you start shaping ideas, okay, what do you need to implement? It? Yeah. It's, it's the speed with which you move is just incredible, comparing yeah. to trying to do it f through industry, through existing uh, corporates. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like they provide. Sorry, go on. As I say, is this reflective of the incubator in that they just want to like have the high scaling companies so they make a return or is this like uh reflective of how a startup should should maybe uh run their uh operation i think i think it's a little bit of both i'd say because um i mean is if you look go into venture capitalists right their their idea is they invest like a big chunk of money uh into a lot of firms that are promising right and they will invest they say 100 millions into 100 companies they know that that half of them will probably fail and 40 percent will return but it will return maybe even even a return of like to zero right like you break even is not good doubling is not good for them because they have to cover up all of the other ones and they still have to make a big return because they are taking money from big institutions and other investors with quite a high promise of return and for to justify it on high risk because it's high risk high return so they need to they need to have at least one or two companies in a portfolio to return like 10x of the amount of investment even more like even bigger 100x obviously so if you're not if you're not talking 10x uh, improvement in your startup ideas on their investment, and then, then it's 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 not worth talking to them. And they they are really very much looking for for a unicorn, right? Like they they're all looking. They're not looking for like a 10 million exit, 20 million exit. They're looking at like IPO at a billion. That's that's yeah. their goal, right? <laughs> and if you think about it, starting from two guys at a laptop, yeah, to a billion. Say, yeah. You gotta scale with geometric progression. Mm -hmm. You gotta get like ten clients in the first months, and then you have to double, double every every month probably, and and you get to like improve or you know a certain as long as it's geometric, as long as you add a certain percentage every month, then then like the math will work out. But you gotta yeah. be you're gonna be growing fast, and that's the 
that's the pressure from from them for sure but it's got, it is useful as well for you got as be a, ex- extremely confident in your own capability as well to be able to say like yeah what i have in my mind and what i'm going to build now will get will reach that one billion dollar valuation like that that's very bold in itself to be able to to think and uh claim that in front of these people yeah yeah it's it is but it, it, it it's funny though because i think that there's there's actually a very healthy attitude to towards ideas and i think what they this the first day we have interacted i was accepted in a program we had a kickoff weekend they said ideas don't really matter we don't care about what idea you come up with um what matters is the team right and how quickly you can move and if you if you have a team that that, that that the investors believe is capable of of building something like that it doesn't matter what idea they come up with and actually in, in fact what they say is most most teams pivot so they change the ideas after after they launch and mm. after they talk to the customers actually re- understand the reality of the industry or the reality of their customers i think what they're looking for is is people who can who can basically move fast and if you if mm. you if you're already generating traction in the first weeks and then, then it's a good indicator that you'll you keep keep generating traction later on mm-hmm. What is interesting that I've heard a few months ago is that uh, these people who build these unicorns, billion, multiple billion dollar uh, companies, they are usually don't have technical background. Um, so there was a study done apparently that 20 people who built multiple times, multi-billion dollar businesses, none of them had technical background. All of them had commercial background. Which basically means that if someone is put into accelerator and they are very like technical, very, like slow thinkers, not in a negative way, slow thinkers, but um, um, people who like think through the ideas, they they usually lose because um, it's commercial application. What I think matters um, because ideas, everyone can have an idea, right? But how yeah. you how quickly you can execute, how quickly you can learn, how quickly you can pivot, how quickly you can change everything. Absolutely, absolutely, Marian. I think I agree with that statement. It's not necessarily. I don't think it's meant to uh, discourage technical people. I think it, it, if if you're even if you're a CTO, if you're a very technical person, you still have to have a laser sharp commercial focus. And I agree, it's the kind of contrast between academia and startups. Right, in academia have a very very narrow problem. You're trying to solve and you got like time to to really go through it and do it diligently i think with this startup you need to be like extremely fast at generating clients and i think if one takeaway from this whole startup accelerator thing is no matter if you're building a unicorn no matter if you or or if you're building like a bootstrapped company or even an open source kind of platform it doesn't matter like you have to focus on the customer what they want it's mm-hmm. not about your idea it's if you you can have a brilliant idea that nobody really wants, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's about going to the going and talking to people. If you can go talk to people, like really understand their problem and listen, I think that's yeah. that's what I learned for myself. And after this accelerator, I'm like, it it doesn't matter what I do. I think the the key should be to find clients, ask them questions, and, and cater for their needs. If you're building mm-hmm. a business, it, whether it's open source, like if you're not even making money, if, you, if you're building a product for somebody, then you should focus on your on your client, first of mm-hmm. all. Nice. And that's why people like that succeed from your statement, Martin. I think it's because they, they, they have that focus. Well, yeah, I all the invent- emphasis. Sorry, Martin? I didn't invent any of this. That was from all in podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, any any like startup manual or whatever you want to call it. It's all about customer development and speaking to people, getting out the building and whatnot. So it makes complete sense. Uh, Vlad, did you get any um insight whilst there in construction particularly and what, what people are looking for there? Or was it uh focused on other industries? Was it construction accelerator or is it no, a not no, it's a it's a general one. It's a general one. Uh, they it's is everything from like esports to marketing to whatever like this is a it's a very colorful group of people i really enjoyed like talking to people and how they're in different industries different construction is i guess it's 
it, it's perceived very much in in VC circles as a as a difficult industry with like slow sales cycles. I think you hear oh difficult mm-hmm. industry slow sales cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a re- repeatable uh, yeah. repeatable claim. And I think even especially now is a downturn. It's 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 a bit more difficult to raise. I think with, with contraction. Um, but but yeah, it's it's I guess it's a bit stigmatized now in 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 VC circles. But it's not it's not impossible to 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 raise through it. And I think you can see the emergence of construction specific accelerators that are coming up. Yeah, you had Alice here talking about uh, yeah. her accelerator in in, in the US. Labs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and I think it's There's it's really more as well. exactly. And there are lots of there, there are there are now emerging a bunch of uh, VC specifically for construction. And I think that's they're recognizing that actually construction is s- such a complex industry uh, that it does require investors to to, to, to understand the industry uh, and i think it's 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 an exciting space to build because there are people now who are willing to look into it and, and it's it's a massive industry it's the biggest industry in the world right it's like the single industry it's like mm-hmm. something like a big chunk to 10 15 percent i can remember what exactly of of, of the global gdp is construction and, oh, and it's right. also like a huge proportion of 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 the carbon emission uh, as well, so the, 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 to to not invest in construction is just just to miss out on like a, a massive slice of pie of the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's a huge. I think people still recognize there's a lot of transformation to be done, mm-hmm. um, but you have to be very convincing because it, it's it's an industry that's very heavily linked to reality. Like if you think about unicorns and great startups. You think of Google, right? What they sell? They sell advertisement. Yeah, advertising, right? like, yeah. You, you look at successful fintech. What's fintech? Fintech is all digital. There's, there's most banks, or especially the, the, the new startups, there's zero physical, right? So where the startups really excelled is in environments there's zero um, physical assets involved mm-hmm. or very limited or like a very limited sort of clear cut between physical and digital. And I think if you're building construction, if you're trying to completely isolate yourself from the physical, yeah, you're probably doing something wrong. Not everything is uh, software in this world, right? Uh, I had a, I had this dream, like few, maybe when COVID started, that like everything is going to be digital soon, very soon. And like, <laughs> but it just, it's not happening. There's so much opportunity in the physical, tangible world. Um, so. Uh, yes, you're completely correct. I think yeah. if you're doing software in construction, right, you're a subset of like a particular industry. Like if you're doing software, for example, for structural engineering, right, like structural engineering is a subset of con- like it's a consultancy to construction, and mm-hmm. then you're doing software for a subset of a subset of an industry. So it's a small proportion, right? Like it's so, a very small mm-hmm. proportion of w- that, w- what software is doing. That is a very good point because. What we're doing mostly in construction, like people when people develop software, is usually B two B business when they do, if they even if they do startup. But I'm, what I'm waiting for is B two C solutions. So if the if someone non technical can uh, download the software, pay subscription, whatever it is, um, and then say say or write or indicate to the software that they want this building, and they can put the parameters that will be built within uh, designed within parameters within planning permission rules within the area and it will be technically compliant with the engineering procedure um, engineering regs fire regs uh, and the, uh, other regulations that's what that's what what is like an end state to me for uh, for the development of software and construction what do you mm, think interesting point I, I think it's it's probably like I dream of that as well but I think it's, it's probably a bit utopian right because what are we selling in construction? Especially like as an engineer, I felt like, what are we actually selling? Are we selling designs? I don't think we're selling designs. Are we? We're mostly selling risks. The person who goes yeah. to you with with their construction projects, they come up to you and say, "Hey, Martin, can you design a building for me?" Because sure. you know, like I, I I'm running a bakery shop and I don't know anything about buildings. Why why do I care about putting all the parameters in? Like I, I want I want a nice bakery that doesn't burn down if 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 something goes whoops. 
right? Like, and they want to put a, a, a liability on you to make sure that 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 building is, and they put trust in you. Well, let's not say liability; they put trust in you that 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 building won't burn down, and they put trust on the contractor to, to that they'll actually deliver the project and and as specified, and and it won't fall down. And I think as, as much as we want to think that we sell designs and trade good engineering design and construction, actually a lot of it is trading risk. And I think a lot of the limitations in construction uh, and in construction technology, even things like BIM adoption, I think it's mm. it's all about people not really recognizing that that we are trading risk. Like mm. BIM's not been made contractual in a lot of places because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to say, ensure what like, the hell is bim yeah, yeah yeah like bim like if you you try and read it about how to correctly uh implement beam bim bim contractually it's it's a difficult topic right like and and uh not all the software is actually catering for the commercial side right like we have sing and dancing software that's 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 doing 3d modeling but but like where does the where does the limit of liability lie where how does it how does it tie into your construction contract i think these topics mm-hmm. are very boring yeah. right like they're not exciting yeah, yeah. to think about no one that's the reality of it that's the reality of it i because one I, of the ideas i looked at through construction accelerator was like well like some to do with BIM, right? Like better creation tools for BIM because everybody's complaining about mm. Revit, uh, and, mm-hmm. and no, but nobody really does anything about it. <laughs> uh, and I realized actually the problem is not Revit. The problem is is, is is that BIM hasn't seen the adoption. And I think you mentioned exactly. one of the podcasts Owen, that like if you especially go down down to the residential scale, nobody really uses it. They're still mm-hmm. tied to the drawings, and that's because mm-hmm. a drawing is a very as is a, is, a, is a contractual document, very very difficult or very easy to defend your design through a drawing, whereas BIM is more difficult. It's not impossible, but that's if I was yeah. looking into that space again, I would focus on the contractual side of it rather than on mm-hmm. the actual 3D fancy stuff. But yeah. again, with BIM, even if it sounds like building information modeling, this is still uh, like uh, technology from early 2000s. Really, it's not. It's nothing. Uh, cutting-edge technology, I think what we are waiting for now is um, the intersection between what we have currently, which is BIM, and some machine learning applied to BIM so that there is no need for a human to do the BIM stuff because this takes a lot of time. It's completely complex, and um, and that's what people are paying for, uh, quite hefty fees. It so, needs to be game changing. Like game changing. Yes. Is good. Yes. It can't yes, just be a yes. slight improvement, which is actually very challenging. Yeah, um, I think in t- in t- on topic of AI, I-, I would probably sound very controversial, but I think at the moment in construction is probably a bit of a fad, because in order to build something that can can really work in construction, is well AI first of all, for for it to work, it needs a lot of data. It needs yes. big data to train it on. In construction, mm-hmm. we don't really have. So ChatGPT has been, oh, ChatGPT is going to design building. ChatGPT can't design building mm-hmm. for you. ChatGPT mm-hmm. is a language model. It can help yeah. you communicate with a client, right? Like, and 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 have a nice conversation with them about their requirements. If you want to apply AI in construction, that there are a few players already that are doing it. Like Nplan has been around for five years as a EF startup. They mm-hmm. what they've done they're doing they're really doing AI in construction and they're they've collected programs from people they're, they're collecting schedules of, of works and they're extracting um, data from it and training their AI if if somebody is thinking of building AI focused build business now in construction they need to start thinking n- not about how what the features of it are but think step back. How can I collect can enough collect data, data to train it? Yes. And I think the the best position companies now are big contractors yeah, and well, big development so firms and big architecture. For like, if the big scale firms, if they can start thinking about it, they they need to start thinking about how what kind of data can we collect? Or as an industry, actually, I I encourage us as an industry to think about okay, how do we collect data? To, to, to start building AI models. What's, mm. What data is important and what we can use from it? Because mm. 
at the moment, as a structural engineer, you probably know, Martin, like you go to to do a retrofit on a building. Everybody talks about retrofit. Let's do retrofits. You go to a building. Nobody knows where the, the, the drawings are for that building. Like they have a cupboard somewhere. I was working on a building, actually, a massive <laughs> building. It was a public project, and it was it was thousands and thousands of square meters. And we asked them, oh, do you have the drawings for it? I was like, yeah, we had the, the cupboard for the drawings since, like, 1970s, but nobody knows what that cupboard is anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they cool. didn't lose a drawing. They lost the cupboard with the drawings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're just talking about, like, retrofits and all, all the buildings, which I think should become, especially in the UK, will become majority of projects. We need to get our act together about collecting that information and putting it into centralized place or, mm-hmm. like, at least getting, let's get our information and get our data together. Okay, cool. So, Vlad, tell us a little bit about Red. R E D D. Yeah, Red. Red is a is a is a company. It's a consultancy. People, uh, I like to say, it's a startup. It's not really a startup because it's not building anything scalable yet. Red is combining the idea of engineering and software. So we are marrying the digital, uh, the, the the conventional engineering with digital world. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a sort of it's an idea that, that I developed to implement technology. So we're not going, we're standing between a busy project manager of like a, like a, a contractor for a firm or design firm or a manufacturing firm who don't really have time to, to they want to innovate, right? But they don't necessarily have time or resources to, to find the ways to implement their innovations. And between the technical uh, tech companies that are very laser focused on their particular product, with Red, what I do is I go to customers and I say, um, "Well, I will help you put together a workflow, uh, put together a set of tools, or if there are tools missing in that in that suite of products, I will make them." So we do some custom development as well for our clients, and we develop tailored solutions to our clients in order to like help them engineer innovate. or like a developer or who, who can be the client? So <clears throat> the ideal clients are uh, people who run engineering departments, who have engineering departments mostly. And it could be from uh, anything from like an engineering firm like yourself, Martin, or um, our main focus is on, on construction product manufacturers. So people who deliver products like you know, facade systems. We worked for a facade manufacturer, uh, balustrade systems, and, and, and like even scaffolding systems. Things like things that so are repeatable, more repeatable. Scale, yeah. mm-hmm. There's things that you can scale. And what we do is for, for a facade client, we uh, developed, a, we looked into the, the, the beauty of the business is that both I and my co-founder are structural engineer and a lot of the collaborators that we work with and and uh, people we work with are engineers as well as software developers so we understand the design the hard side of it of the business mm-hmm. and the software side of the business so for for example for the facade job what we did is we looked at the at, at the production what they're producing the design process for a building sorry for their for their product uh, we uh, build a model, uh, like a mathematical model, that can predict the cost of, of the of the product uh, at the quote stage. So you can type a few numbers, you get an instant sort of quote or, or uh, price. And then later on, that ties into a design process and the, the engineering department doesn't have to produce a new design for every new job that they're doing. You're basically an R&D depart- outsourced R&D department for companies you could put it bluntly like that that's right that's right yeah. we have the components to we and, and we take learning from different people and from from across the, the industry and the clients we work with and we put in it to 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 the next client right so it's instead we're taking the r&d department of one company and we're actually turning into like an industry and r&d department that's the idea mm-hmm. yeah because like the video that you shared for this uh, building or shared on uh, linkedin so anyone who is listening can uh, look it up on your profile, the building size there. So that's, I think it was reinforced concrete building. Um, and you put the number of stories, uh, spacing between the grid lines, et cetera, et cetera, and gives you the cost 
of approximate cost of the building and some other parameters. Yeah, so that's like, I'm just thinking actually, what is, is this for a client as in like investor or is it for more like engineer? Because yeah, what's, what, what, what would that be built for? Who that, who that is, is it built for? Oh, the, the that one is very simple. It's it's a it's a demo of our capabilities first of all, and, and sort of test of our putting our mm. capabilities together. I looked at the sort of there are a lot of these building sizers and and solutions for quick approximate um, methods. There are there are two there are loads like one that comes to mind was test fit. There the the this. Um, oh, I can't remember the names, but you, you you'll find configurators and 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 for buildings uh, everywhere i think what um, i've done in this particular example is tie it all together is that um it the, there's some actual structural engineering calculations that go behind that too so so mm -hmm. it, it doesn't just give you um so for example if you're an architect is probably for more for architects and developers if you're for example trying to do like a building development and you want to put a few blocks together it's called massing if you it's this is to create a more informative massing process so but mm -hmm. the, the the distinctive feature of this particular one that i've built is that it actually does some sizing of elements quickly mm -hmm. behind in, in the background and it will give you an answer that's probably 80 percent of your engineers work uh okay. you still need it's to obviously only give, it. so it doesn't it doesn't give you the answers only based on some ratios like length to height Blah blah blah. It just gives some. It provides some calculations. It's, it's more clever right. than that. Yeah, it provides okay. calculation. It, it it has a costing model attached to it, which which is mm. attached to the quantities, and it's got the. It's tied into the the IC carbon database uh, to give you uh, to give you some CO two lower bound and upper bound values for for CO two um, embedded or embedded carbon uh, in the building. So that's it's 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 a it's a demo. I think. We will probably release it as a well, parts of it or some 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 like smaller version of it as a as a free software, and mm -hmm. I, I want to as much as development as we as I can. I want to put out as open source as open software because mm -hmm. I think okay yeah that's that's the way to do it. So tell me what is the what is a major obstacle for? Um, I imagine you are in my dreamland. So you have this software, and now you you put this software next step to the uh, const, more more of like construction stage. So just instead of the sizes of the sections, it will give you also reinforcement, provide you with uh, like fabrication drawings, etc., um, etc. Et what is the main obstacle, and why is it not possible to do? Why is it not possible to use straight away using extraction? I think I think it's the, exactly the sort of the liability side of it. Is you still need an engineer, right? So you still need an engineer to package it up and send it to the contractor, and the contractor need they will probably redo their fabrication drawings because because they they don't want to well because the engineer doesn't want to be responsible for fabrication drawings, um, mm. right? So it's 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 that side of it, right? Like if you, you, you can give it to a client, right? And and let's say this tool is developed, you give it to a client, and the client will click a few buttons now, and it will generate everything from 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 your reinforcement drawings to fabrication drawings, and then mm -hmm. it's sent to to fabrication. Imagine even like go further, dream bigger, Martin. You don't need fabrication drawings. It's all done. Like you click a button in the factory somewhere in China starts or like in India and it delivers it and it automatically ships it to the port, loads it on the on the on a ship mm. and it arrives oh, to the site in like Croydon somewhere. Uh, and, and it's installed, right? Like it, it's just it's just all automated, right? Like who's then to blame? It's probably that's probably the obstacle. Like it's 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 no, no, how do we how do we how do we start like living in this world which is automated? Like who do we blame if the car like this it is the same same question that there you is. ask with, for self driving cars? Who do you blame if it runs over like a child? It's the same thing. Who who do you blame you if know. it's automatically designed? Like do you blame Vlad who's designed this clever software, or do you design somebody who signed off that drawing? Mm -hmm. Good question. Yeah, but the, the, I think the uh, the one thing that we should agree on is that in every industry we're going to, oh, and you have to help me with this word, productization. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we need to, in construction, it will happen sooner or later, that we will be operating on products. So 
the question is like what's the um, how deep the product is what's the range of this product is it just like a simple model and then someone else takes on uh, this model and just builds much much more better model and more detailed design um, because sooner or later it has to happen I think we can't be working like we're working now. There's uh, five different consultants or seven different consultants working on, on one thing and they, they're having countless hours of meetings, discussing things, making mistakes, mm -hmm. amending for another countless hours. It just doesn't make any, any sense. I think I think uh, I think you're right about productization. I think I alluded to it at the start. I, my dream is that actually to build a, a robotic fabrication um, yard at some point in my life. Uh, probably in like once we automate the design side of it, we'll move on to the actual production side. Because if we nice. get the soft side done, the hard cool. side done, you maybe in, in ten years' time, Vlad, you'll see fabricating like pre 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 built beams or columns or slabs for building mm -hmm. right like and shipping them all all around the world that's probably the what's going to happen in a couple of years time uh, and i nice. agree i think it, it solves the liability problem as well because you see a lot of the products right the the suppliers and, and the manufacturer problem uh, manufacturers of these construction products they they refine their product right and they re eliminate the flaws of previous generations so it actually becomes safer and and better products, and I way, the way I see it is that that everybody will be responsible for their product, and there should be a compatible way of putting them together. All right, like if you're a beam or a slab system manufacturer, then you're a balcony system manufacturer, facade system manufacturer. You, you you then you can then assemble them if they're all compatible. You can then assemble them into 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 buildings. Right? Like it, we are basically basically I want to see the world of of Lego but full scale, mm -hmm. but everybody mm -hmm. can have like a, a, a particular block that they specialize in building. That would be amazing, <laughs> right? Like you don't, and 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 that also solves the problem of modular where you don't want to live in a box. You don't have to manufacture a box. You can customize any building you like but as long as you have like real reasonably sized uh and thought through components then you can assemble anything you like and so you can have anything from from a residential home to a massive airport assembled from bits yeah. and i think that's where we're sort of heading and and mm -hmm. more and more people specialize and more and more people actually start mass producing bits or blocks of buildings and i and, and i want to be the enabler of the of that future Okay, nice. just one more question before we move on. Um, don't you think there is a little bit of obstacle of material engineering uh, currently that we can't move on with uh, some like further next level methods of fabrication because of the materials that we've been using for decades, like steel, concrete, uh, timber, and this hasn't moved on much. And that's why we cannot do much more uh, in terms of construction of um yeah i think i think yeah like it's, it's a valid point some somebody has mentioned um that like there's an argument that the construction has really innovated really in the last sort of since in the invention of pre-stressed concrete because mm -hmm. like we haven't really invented any new way of of, of uh, building but the, i disagree there are a lot of actually advancements now in, in material i think the the, the, the problems there there is the um, the price points uh, of various materials and it's it's more of a global issue right so what materials are we missing we're missing materials that we we can build amazing things with steel and everything like sometimes you look on the zine or whatever the the architectural ma magazine you look at things that we can build now this is looks alien compared to yeah. like 50 years ago but Mm -hmm. I think what we really lack in materials is sustainability, is, uh, and 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 I think there's a huge improvement in that. Like there's there's like low carbon concretes, there's timber, like people talking about reusing plastic and 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 things like that. And I even seen I even seen sort of either hemp based or or some sort of um, plant based replacement for carbon fiber. So you just put like it looks like you put straw into mm. into um into plastic and it, it works like the the composites you see it, it looks very strange because they, they showed it in a car it looks like a farm version of a supercar because <laughs> it, it looks like natural materials are used in there but it's actually as, as strong as carbon and things like that it's, it's it's incredible what the material science is i think it's it'll take time until it gets to a price point where it can compete 
uh, and we, it might not even get to that point, but I think we definitely need to uh, get to a point where we use less material that we can. Like if you look at the average beam or an average slab, you can probably cut 70% of concrete out of it. If you oh, And if you consider that concrete is the most ubiquitous building material, like we need to get to a point where if, if you can like actually design efficient, like if optimized buildings, then then you can cut, cut the carbon by 50% automatically. It's just, it's it's expensive, I guess. Is this is risky, um, but I think that's where that's where productizing productizing building components comes in. Because if you're a beam manufacturer, for example, a beam component manufacturer, like uh, there's there's a startup called Minimas. You should check it out, or maybe even invite you know, them to speak here. Uh, Andy. The, Andy, Andy, yeah, yeah, he's been doing like reductions of 50% on standard beam product. Um, Just just doing something like that is a huge step. So it it doesn't use any innovative materials. It's just putting the materials that we have into a product uh, that he will be able to certify. So we need to... I think that if we really want to innovate, the legislation and, and certification process needs to speed up because mm-hmm. it will take him probably five years or so to get to a point where he can actually manufacture these on scale, maybe less stock yeah. to Andy, but like regulation we, or something we haven't, haven't even covered yet. We haven't even covered. This and I think obstacle, this is, so. this is, this is really important to, to really move, yeah. move innovation. Well, let's, uh, let's try and get one more question in before we go to, um, off topic stuff. So you mentioned earlier about like, um, design automation in companies versus, in startups so can you just add to that yeah i think i think it's we've covered it uh, somewhat i think a lot of the innovation now especially in engineering firms uh, and and other others uh, like uh, even manufacturers and, and contractors uh, everybody has well we started from a point where uh, it was sort of project based hey vlad can you just try something new here and i think it's driven by keen individuals who just who just don't like who are fed up with doing things um the way they've been doing it before and so this is sort of project-based innovation it's great because it's solving a particular point but it's difficult because you have to squeeze it into with the resources that you have Mm -hmm. uh for that project and then you have overworked individuals who are just feeling like they're just doing more work on top of their day job Uh, some innovative companies are starting to put together r d um sort of innovation uh, sort of initiatives and putting money uh towards developing new solutions which is great mm. uh but i think the internal r&d departments don't always have the mentality of a startup where which is yeah. you know yeah. where's the cl- like who's the client what are we doing for them and the startup is like ultimate high-speed innovation on steroids yeah uh, you pump pump a lot of money into like so like building building a startup that's hyper focused on the client and i think as what, what we can learn from 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 these uh from the startup world and i think a lot of the bigger companies now should learn from the startup worlds and think first of all how can we take the individuals there are a lot of very very talented individuals in co- in companies who are willing to put work and who have skills to to put towards innovation how can we take them and enable them inside those companies or otherwise to to actually deliver that that innovation in the companies and it's a huge opportunity for corporations as well take your innovation out of project take your innovation out of r&d think can you productize the innovation that's inside a company or if you can't productize it can can we as an industry can we start Mm. thinking about innovation uh in a sort of startup mentality there should be more or even fund some of the startups to uh to uh exactly this. I, there's, there's a huge gap now we, and we have we have people we have ideas and i think we have a need clear need it's just mm-hmm. enabling cool uh, so if there is anything in engineering that you've touched on in your professional career that you don't agree with or agree on the way things are being done um currently R- rectangular rectangular concrete sections <laughs> Big blocks, that. big blocks, man. I, Great I just you've been thinking about that. I was on uh, I was on HS2 and we were, I was working on HS2 and doing a bit of design and then we were pouring and there was one of the things that were pouring 
we were designing to, to be poured was like a two and a half or three meter deep pad or something like that. It's just mm. immense volume of concrete. And I'm like, surely, surely we can do better. <laughs> yeah, because the worst thing is that if you know how it works, then you know how much is, is wasted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah. but pushing the something innovative through uh, through like the, the 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 bureaucratic process there was just mm -hmm. is is yeah. let's let's stop building squares, please. Just just let's let's start start um, doing doing better better engineering or like mm -hmm. enabling better engineering because we engineers can do it. Ask an engineer to de design an efficient thing, they'll be like, "Yes, I'll work for bread." <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. Dad, what, we need to what, start um, actually realizing that stuff. What keeps you curious? Keeps me. What keeps me curious? Um, yeah, I don't know. I like. I just like. I just like seeing things built in real life. That that's always inspired me. Mm -hmm. Just want to see things come up. Like you, 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 you spin something around on on the screen. And 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 you 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 then see it in, in real life. That keeps me motivated. Maybe not necessarily curious, but but motivated. And I think the curiosity comes from then actually the fact. Mm. Oh, how can we, like, well, how does this physical? How does this work? Oh, how does this work? How how can I actually make it happen? And I think it, the curiosity comes from from the, that drive to actually see things done. Uh, and and then you start finding. If you have a problem, I, I think with software development and things like that, you find a problem and you just. You spend day and night trying to figure out and finding, and you will find a way to do it. And I think that's been mm -hmm. the driver and of the curiosity and general drive. Very nice. Interesting. Very interesting. So, like, I have this curiosity on commercial um, um, way. I don't know how to put it, like, on a commercial level, I would say, trying to like, push things through. Uh, Engineering-wise, what you say, I, I could resonate with it, but a few years back now, it's more um, like making sure that we do the right thing and um, pushing boundaries in the commercial world of engineering. Definitely, yeah, definitely, Martin. I think if, if we can find people like yourself with, with, with uh, keen technical people, like there are so many people who are, who are like willing to give up their day job to do something fun. I think if we, we, can, we can find these, these really wonderful nerds, combine them with mm -hmm. wonderful commercial nerds, I think things will happen. Things will happen and we'll see a bright future. Excellent. All right, Vlad, so where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can visit, uh, yeah, join, add me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll accept your request, uh, Vlad Oponasiuk. Uh, follow, go to our website, uh, redd.works. Uh, check out what we do. I'll be updating the website and putting some more of the, our projects up there. Uh, yeah, just stay tuned there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you in the next episode.